Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. Tens of thousands of individuals have been exposed in the wake of the heinous, horrendous, and barbaric attacks by Hamas on Israel. These individuals support Hamas and hate Israel. They are anti-Jew. And one of the most recent developments occurred at Harvard University where 30 organizations, student organizations, support Hamas's attack on Israel, which begs the question, should these college students face punishment for their actions? Welcome to Counterthought. So there has been a lot going on since Hamas's attack on Israel. We have the geopolitical front. We have the humanitarian front. We have the divide between Israel and Palestine. We have the supposed to be divide between Palestinians who are caught up in this, the innocent Palestinians and Hamas. But what has occurred in the focus of this episode is the light that has that is exposing the tens of thousands of individuals around the world and in the United States of America, our country, the exposure of those who actually support what Hamas did to Israel and in Israel. The death tolls are rising. We are in 2,000 plus dead in Israel. And then the reports coming out of Gaza, which you know, are questionable because that is run by Hamas, or that some 2,000 individuals, innocent civilians, have been killed within Gaza. But what is happening here around the world and in America is that there have been protests that have been occurring in these last 10 to 11 days since the attack. Some pro-Palestinian, but most pro-Hamas, anti-Jew anti-Israel. Chants, you know, from the river to the sea, from the Jordan River to the sea, which means the elimination of Israel. And a story has come to light over the last week regarding college students and their participation in pro-Hamas, anti-Israel, anti-Jew protests on their campuses. This story occurs at Harvard University. Harvard, we all know, Ivy League school, world-renowned, top college year after year after year in the United States. Well, Harvard has gotten itself, like many other colleges in the recent weeks, in some hot water when it comes to these pro-Hamas, anti-Israel protests. And what occurred at Harvard is that the student organizations, there is a committee, so they're 30, 33 different student organizations, and they joined together to form the Harvard Undergraduate Palestine Solidarity Committee. And what this committee produced last week was a letter 
a letter of solidarity for the Hamas attack. And it has signatures from these 33 Harvard University student organizations in this letter, included in this letter. And what this letter said is that what occurred in Israel, these attacks by Hamas, these heinous attacks, the barbaric attacks, was not Hamas's fault. It's Israel's fault that Israel was asking for it. And I'm going to read this letter to you, or a portion of this letter to you, this statement from the Harvard Palestine Solidarity Committee. Quote, we, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. Today's events go, did not occur in a vacuum. For the last two decades, millions of Palestinians in Gaza have been forced to live in an open-air prison. Israeli officials promised to, quote, open the gates of hell, and the massacres in Gaza have already commenced. Palestinians in Gaza have no shelters for refuge and nowhere to escape. In the coming days, Palestinians will be forced to bear the full brunt of Israel's violence. The apartheid regime is the only one to blame, meaning Israel. Israeli violence has structured every aspect of Palestinian existence for 75 years, which dates back to 1948 when Israel became a nation state, a country. From systematized land seizures to routine airstrikes, arbitrary detentions and military checkpoints, and enforced family separations to targeted killings. Palestinians have been forced to live in a state of death, both slow and sudden. So there's a lot in that statement. And as you heard, the primary takeaway is that the Israeli regime, quote, is entirely responsible for the unfolding violence. And you may have caught wind of this pro-Hamas can't really differentiate it from the pro-Palestinian for those um, for those innocent Palestinians that are caught up in this mess because of Hamas's reign on in Gaza. But when they say in this statement that the Palestinians have nowhere to go, nowhere to seek refuge, the Middle East is filled with Muslims, Muslim nations, Arab nations, Egypt to the south has closed off its border. They don't want the Palestinians coming in because they do not know, well, they know of what is taught to the Palestinians by Hamas. They know that they cannot vet who actually buys into that doctrine and who does not. Israel does not want to take refugees or these innocent Palestinians because they cannot be vetted. There are other countries in the region, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, they don't want them. Unfortunately, the actual innocent Palestinians who are subjected to the propaganda of Hamas don't have anywhere to go. But this, the attacks of last week is not because of Israel. It is because of Hamas. But this is the propaganda. We've seen propaganda in other forms, such as you know, videos and pictures being shared of children being 
killed and families being killed because an apartment building or a hospital was bombed. We even have representatives in Congress who have tweeted or posted, I guess, on X now, inaccurate misinformation because of pictures were not from these attacks or Israel's response. They were from Syrian attacks going back more than a decade ago. So the propaganda machine is running at full speed coming out of Gaza. And you hear the other language talking about apartheid and being trapped within within Gaza. This is all language from Hamas, and this is taught to the Palestinians from birth, from their childhood, in their schools. They're being taught, taught these things. And this statement from the Harvard-Palestine Solidarity Committee at Harvard caught the attention of an alum of Harvard, Bill Ackman. If you are unfamiliar with who Bill Ackman is, he is the founder and CEO of the Pershing Square Capital Management Hedge Fund. And last week, he posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, a post or a tweet asking or calling on Harvard to release the names of the individuals who are part of these groups so that companies like his own, other corporations, do not hire these individuals. Now, the groups that were involved, some of them, I'm not going to read all 33, but some of the groups are the Harvard Divinity School Muslim Association, the Harvard Graduate Students for Palestine, the Harvard Islamic Society, the Harvard Law School Justice for Palestine, the Harvard Divinity School Students for Justice in Palestine, Harvard Jews for Liberation, the Harvard Kennedy School, which is their business school, Harvard Kennedy School Muslim Caucus, Harvard Kennedy School Palestine Caucus, Harvard Kennedy School Muslim Women's Caucus, Harvard Muslim Law School Association, and it goes on and on and on. That was about 10 of the 33 groups at Harvard University that were listed and signed that Harvard Undergraduate Palestine Solidarity Committee letter that I just read to you. And Bill Ackman's tweet, going back to his tweet or his post on, on X, he said this, quote, I have been asked by a number of CEOs if Harvard would release a list of the members of each of the Harvard organizations that have issued the letter assigning sole responsibility for Hamas's heinous attacks to Israel so as to ensure that none of us, him and these CEOs, that none of us inadvertently hire any of their members. If, in fact, their members support the letter they have released, the names of the signatories should be made public so their views are publicly known. One should not be able to hide behind a corporate shield when issuing statements supporting the actions of terrorists who we now learn have beheaded babies among other inconceivably despicable acts. Now that caught a lot of attention. We're talking about a billionaire Harvard alum talking about not only himself, but other CEOs who want to know the names of these individuals. They want these people exposed for their beliefs because as we have seen over time in the past year to couple of years, there has been this radicalization of many individuals 
And what he, they do what Bill Ackman says in that post. They hide behind, you know, within corporations. They have this veil that they hide behind to, you know, not have to, so that they do not have to reveal their true identity, their true thoughts and what they believe, their true beliefs, their morals and their values. They can hide. And then when something like this occurs, there is a, this attack, this huge floodlight is being shown upon these people because they cannot help themselves, but be pro Hamas and show their true identity. And this caught the attention because Harvard then all of a sudden caught a huge backlash for this, wanting to know, hey, Harvard, what's going on? Harvard professors, other Harvard alums are saying like, hey, Harvard, uh, can you please get this under control? Because this is not the university I graduated from. You know, this is not the university I came to teach at. To have 33 different groups that support Hamas's actions in these attacks on Israel. And it caught the attention so much so that the Harvard president, Harvard University president, Claudine Gay, issued a statement which reads, quote, As the events of recent days continue to reverberate, let there be no doubt that I condemn the terrorist atrocities per perpetrated by Hamas. Such inhumanity is abhorrent. Whatever one's individual views on the origins of long-standing conflicts in the region. Let me also state on this matter, as on others, that while our students have the right to speak for themselves, no student group, not even 30 student groups, speaks for Harvard University or its leadership. We will all be well served in such a difficult moment by rhetoric that aims to illuminate and not inflame. And I appeal to all of us in this community of learning to keep this in mind as our conversations continue. That is the statement from Harvard University's president, Claudine Gay. So that got me thinking, what should the punishment be, if any, for these students, right? Because these students would be the same individuals who have called for the cancellation of other individuals for a tweet that was posted or a Facebook post or an Instagram post from two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago all the way back maybe 15 years ago when these platforms uh, first launched, first came online. They would be the same individuals calling for the cancellation of, of a bad tweet. So what should happen to these individuals? And I was listening to the All In podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go do so. I recommend it. It's, a good, it's good. It talks about politics, money, all different kinds of things. It's four individuals, four hosts. Jason um, Calacanis, Shamath, Palahapatiya, probably butchered that, sorry. David Sachs and, and David David Freebert. And Shamath brought up this topic on their most recent episode. And he asked the question, just as I am, should these individuals be punished? And all the hosts went around and you know and shared their opinion. And I agree with Shamath. His opinion was yes. And his argument for these individuals needing to have consequences for their actions is that they need, while they are in college, even though they are not kids, because you are technically an adult, they are still young adults. And sure, you can argue, as one of the hosts did, that their prefrontal cortex, which is their decision-making, you know, is not fully developed because they're not yet 25 years old. However, you are still a functioning adult. And if you do not, just as Shamath was arguing, if you do not nip this in the bud, 
if you do not have consequences for their actions now and learn while they are young, then it is only going to increase. It is only going to, to increase this mindset, this mind virus that has infected these individuals, this propaganda that they have bought into coming from Hamas out of, out of Palestine, out of Gaza, will continue to fester and grow and develop within the mind and fully take it over and then reveal itself who knows when. So Shamath argued, yes, that there should be consequences and that they should learn the lesson while they are young. And also, he said this, again, this mind virus, companies want employees to strive for excellence. If you are Bill Ackman or any CEO, you know, a hedge fund manager, large corporation, hundreds of thousands of employees, thousands of employees, even just hundreds of employees, you want people to work for your company that are good for your culture and are going to strive for excellence, going to strive for achievement. And one of the common threads we are seeing within these groups, and especially on the radical left, is that there is this thread that is woven between them of this collectivism. When you listen to the arguments coming from these groups, they are not pro-Palestine and then separating and differentiating between, between Palestinians and Hamas terrorists. They're they are bringing them into one group and they are then pro-Hamas. They are not differentiating. There's this collectivism that has woven throughout these radical, these radical groups, not individual excellence, not this desire to excel like we have had this desire in America for the 250 years since the Declaration of Independence was signed, just like the founders who came over here, you know, and were you know, discovered America and then made colonies, built towns, built cities, infrastructure, everything that occurred within the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, the industrial era, all of these things. America, we pride ourselves on, on excellence, on innovation. But this collectivism mindset does not want that, does not allow for that. We, everyone is a whole, we are a group. And Shamath argued that, that this mindset will not go away easily and that those individuals who are currently infected with this virus in their mind, they will not shake it easily and that these companies that strive for excellence don't want to hire these individuals and that they have a right as a private company to not hire these individuals. They have the right and the obligation to hire people that are going to improve their business, improve their company. And like I said, I agree with that. We all know actions have consequences, good and bad. Now, consequences tends to have a negative connotation. You think consequences, you might you know, shudder a little bit. But consequences, can, there could be good consequences, make a good decision, good consequence. Make a bad decision, bad consequence. But I agree, there needs to be consequences for these actions. If you don't learn it now, it is only going to get worse. Now, I'm not sure what the code of conduct is at Harvard University or these other schools that are dealing with similar situations, but I know code of, conducts, code of conduct exists for the students. I went, you know, there's a student code of conduct at my school, my university. There's even a code of conduct at workplaces, right? So there is a code of conduct that, that exists. So I'm not sure if Harvard within their code of conduct is allowed 
you know, to expel these students. I'm not calling for them to be, um, for them to be expelled, but there does need to be some type of punishment, whether it is issued by Harvard or just out in the real world when these individuals go out and try to get jobs, try to get internships. Because again, these same individuals, these same individuals would call for the same, this exact treatment. If someone was revealed to, they would want someone canceled. If it was revealed that they made a post that they disagree with, if they had to take online one year ago, one day ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, that they don't agree with some type of microaggression or whatever, they would want those individuals canceled. So there needs to be consequences for these students, again, whether it comes from Harvard or out in the workplace, the workforce. Now, I'm not for the expulsion of these students. However, I am for the expulsion of these groups, of these 33 student groups and then the larger committee. We already know that colleges and universities are able to either expel fraternities and sororities off of campus or, I mean, move like move their houses from on campus to off campus. And some may even be able to <clears throat> may even be able to expel the them from the school entirely. So I believe that this same treatment should occur for for these student groups. Because as Claudine Gay said in her letter, the president of Harvard University, again, she quoted, quote, no student group, not even 30 student groups, speaks for Harvard University or its leadership. I don't think you can make that statement and then allow these groups to still exist. And I don't believe this is a, a free speech issue. These groups can can come together, but not be affiliated with the university. I don't believe that takes away their right to free speech. Harvard University is a private institution, but they may receive federal money. I'm, I'm unaware if they do, but they can, again, they can form their same group without being affiliated with Harvard University. And this, as I said in the beginning, is sh shining a humongous floodlight on the people who are anti-Israel, anti-Jew, and pro-Hamas. Pro-terrorist organizations exist in America by the tens of thousands and in the world by the hundreds of thousands. Why? Because of this mind virus that has been perpetuated, the propaganda coming out of Gaza, the propaganda that is then spewed by um, educators and the media, and then also not vetting these individuals properly whenever we take in refugees or other countries are taking in refugees or maybe not even a refugee, but just coming in across the border as it is in our country, our Southern border. We already went through a heightened alert last Friday, a heightened alert on this announced day of terror that was issued by by a Hamas leader to have this day of terror last Friday, all the cities were heightened in their security. There was extra security around Jewish temples, extra security at Jewish schools. And with the millions upon millions of people who come in across our border every year, two and a half to 3 million people over the last couple of years, we are not vetting these individuals properly. 
I mean, we've already seen the marches and the protests within our country. So it's obvious that the vetting is not thorough. Who's to say these individuals won't radicalize to the point of, of, ha- of attacking somewhere within the United States? Who's to say that is not going to happen? So there needs to be consequences to these students. They need to learn, again, as young as possible, that there are consequences for your actions. However, or unfortunately, eradicating this mind virus from these individuals is not going to be easy. But I do believe these the companies, if I had a company, I would want this, I would do this as well, that, that they need to be able to know who these individuals are. Companies already, their HR departments or human capital departments, they already go through social media posts whenever they are going through the hiring process. It is often recommended by recruiters to actually make your social media accounts private whenever you start applying for jobs, because last thing you would want is someone to, from a hu- uh, talent acquisition, human resources department within the company you're applying to, to start coming through a post and you know think like, oh, that's suspect behavior, and then all of a sudden disqualify you from the running for, for that position that you've applied for. So this already occurs. So I don't think I don't think what Bill Ackman and these other CEOs are asking for is unreasonable. I don't think it's unreasonable at all. And what is frightening are the number of individuals within America, within America, that are pro Hamas, that are pro terrorist organization that are anti-Jew, anti-Israel. Again, this focus of this episode is about Harvard University student groups. Broader than that, beyond that, are these protests and marches within cities and states in America that are supporting what Hamas did to Israel. Let me remind you of what happened rapings or rapes, murders, burning of these bodies, beheadings of babies in their cribs, sick, disgusting, barbaric behavior. And who is to say, who can guarantee, no one can guarantee that the radicals who believe that this was an attack was justified by Hamas will not become radicalized to the point that they attack Jews within our own country, within New York City, within Chicago, within Southern California, within Miami and South Florida. Who's to say that will not occur? This mind virus, this propaganda that has been bought by these individuals, some of them I'm sure are were from Palestine and have heard this and been taught this since they were young children. Others believe in this collectivism and actually believe the propaganda that is coming out of Palestine even when they have no ties to Palestine. This mind virus has infiltrated tens of thousands, if not more, within our country and hundreds of thousands around the world. And we should all be aware that this is going on and that this exists and protect ourselves against the possibility that there could be radicalized individuals who carry out attacks in our own country, in America, 
and try to harm American citizens because of this radicalized mindset. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.